Yo, welcome to Stars Podcast, the home of Growth Mindset Moment, where we break down the habits, hacks, and protocols the stars use while relentlessly moving forward to maximize our daily potential. If this is your first time, welcome to the fam. If you're a longtime listener, thank you for stopping back. Our guests range from entrepreneurs, C-suite pros, Web3, NFT, and crypto enthusiasts, jujitsu athletes, fitness instructors, mindset coaches, lawyers, and everything in between. They may seem different on the surface. However, when we start to break down the systems they all live by, we quickly realize we're all not so different after all. I'm your host, Ron Jordan, along with my co-host, Alyssa Jordan, coming out of Rosinante Studios in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Let's get into the journey. Today's guest is coming at us from Nashville, Tennessee. She's an artist, a dreamer, a doer, ultramarathon runner, calls herself a brunch connoisseur, music industry nerd, shoe addict, Web3 enthusiast, cat mom. And I'll tell you this, I met her over at the, I believe it was at the Nerd Collective first, and then we reintroduced ourselves uh, whenever we both joined the Swagger Society over uh, with Robin Arzon. And we really hit it off because of the ultra marathon stuff. Obviously, those of you who've been listening uh, know that I'm an ultra guy, and um, that's sort of where where we went. And wanted to jump in today, wanted to introduce you to Adria Delon. Welcome to the show. Yo, I probably butchered the name, but um, just want to... <laughs> no, you didn't. You actually got it right. I no mean, I've been way. called worse. Unbelievable. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, that's actually two for two. Last week, I thought I butchered a name and I didn't. And this this week was the same deal. So, hey, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm really, really excited to be here. Yeah, happy to have you, and I'm super glad that we got to connect and and make that introduction. It was funny because whenever we, I I knew who you were, whenever we were in the Nerd Collective, and then whenever we got over to Swagger Society, it was like I had to reintroduce myself to you because I wasn't making the connection, and then I was like, oh shit, she's the same person. <laughs> so good to see you. Well, let's start off by talking about what that means first, right? So the Nerd Collective is an NFT project that's being led by a really awesome guy from the Web3 community um, named Data. Uh, that's his That's his Web3 name. And so that project really is bringing together the concept of incorporating full lifestyle around nerding out. Um, so that's really cool that that connection was made. I, I am the worst at staying connected on Discord, just so we're clear, okay? Um, but swagger society, I don't think you're alone on that. I'm so I'm like the worst. I'm so I want to be in all of them and I have them all. And then I just get overwhelmed and I can't do anything with them. There's like too many notifications, but swagger society. Now swagger society has brought a different flavor to web three. That's really bringing this mindset focus, um, into the swagger society really brought the mindset stuff together with a lot of the fitness journey stuff that I know you and Ron have both had that is, is really, really cool. And the way I kind of like noticed this too, is because, you know, I crew all of his races. So it was like the first time in a Twitter thread where like another ultra runner and an ultra runner, like celebrating the crew. So I was like, I felt very seen. It was very, oh, A hundred percent. I could not do this without crew. And I'll tell you, complete honesty, I ran one ultra marathon without crew and I said never again. And it wasn't on purpose. Um, I had, I ran it near home so family could come. My mom had just had surgery. 
My stepdad had to go to his aunt's 100th birthday. My dad and my stepmom were out of town. My sister was sick. And so literally I did a 12-hour looped course in this crazy, crazy area called St. Francisville, Louisiana. Like it's literally called the beast is the trail. And I did it by myself. And I said, I'm not doing that again. So, you know, God bless all the crew out there who are willing to. to, I did. I did. (laughs) It was not that much fun. Yeah. I got to tell you, you, I had a crew at my last one and it wasn't my normal crew and it wasn't as much fun. I got to be honest. Um, but we'll jump into the crew stuff and we'll get into that journey. But I want to know, like, sort of like, it doesn't start with ultra marathons, does it? Uh, no, no, no. no. Um, it, where does like the growth, that growth mindset sort of begin for you? Was it a, was there a particular life event that happened that made you like need to shift gears or was it just like, Hey, this is a new challenge. I want to jump into it. And where did that all begin? Yeah, I mean, I started running um, because I was in law school and it was hard. Um, And I don't just mean academically, like, yes, law school is rigorous, um, but I was away from home for the first time ever. I mean, I went to college and graduate school 12 minutes from my house at LSU. um, And I went to law school at Drexel in Philadelphia. So totally different experience, uh, culturally, weather-wise, you know, being away from home, trying to manage that level of stress across the board uh, was a little bit challenging and I had to find some outlet. Um, And I mean, you can largely go one direction or the other. You can do negative or you can do positive. And I chose to do something um, that was going to benefit me in the long run, no pun intended. Um, So I actually started (laughs) uh, a running club why? I don't know. But I started a running club at my school and I found other people who either were casual runners or were interested in running. And we just started running like two or three days a week. And then I would go run by myself one or two days a week. Um, and from there, it just kind of built into this thing that I did to burn off a little bit of stress. Um, and then I moved to Nashville. I had never run a trail in my life. I had been interested in it. Um, but I had not done it. Uh, and I got an invitation to come to a fleet feet group run, um, in the summer. It's called the summer mixer. Uh, and I went and I fell in love with it in a completely different way from road running. Um, and from there I met people who were running ultras and I watched them cheer on each other. And I watched this triumph over all of these other things in their life. Um, you know, and I started I kind of set out a really big goal for myself um, and I called it one year, one goal. And my goal was to do every race distance that I had wanted to do in one year. Um, I got most of the way there. I got to the 50K and then I got a job with an artist on the road. Uh, It's very hard to train for an ultra marathon when you're out on the road and you don't have the time or the location or whatever. Um, So, you know, I just, I stuck with the 50 K for a long time. Um, And then, I mean, we can get into Which is no joke. Like, yeah, I mean, 30, 31 plus miles is not something to sneeze at. (laughs) I just, I posted this today and and I'm going to stop you here because I think this is really important. Ron and I had this conversation last night and I have to remind, nothing screws up your perspective as a non-ultra runner, me, more than being around ultra runners. 
And here's why. <laughs> one mile is long, okay? Yeah. One mile is really far. A 5K is really awesome to complete. I'm saying this not just for myself, but for anyone else too. Like making these goals is amazing. We should hyper celebrate the 50Ks and 100Ks and 100 milers. Don't get it. They're crazy people. They'll tell you. Both of these people will tell you. They're a little bit crazy. Accurate. Very accurate. But one mile is really long. And so when I like, I have to bring the perspective back to that because sometimes like it's, sometimes I've even noticed when I've crewed Ron, I'm like, oh, you only have a 5K left. And this is like, you know, 50 miles in, you know, like, or whatever, whatever length he's doing, casual. 100K. And I'm just like, whatever, you only have a 5K. Just a casual 5K left. Yeah. Like, looking at me like I'm broken. You know, what do you mean just, you know? So I just, I just wanted to bring that back. I also just wanted to point out quickly too, the, the difference in the culture of ultra running versus law school. Cause as you know, I'm also an attorney. I went to law school. My law school journey was a little bit different. I was a non-traditional night student. Um, I had, uh, I was a single mom. I was working full-time during the day, going to law school at night. So when I wasn't stressing about law school i was just stressing out being a mom so that's how i burned off steam (laughs) bravo for you that's hard it's really hard hard. i admire people that do things like that that is a challenge so kudos to you but the interesting thing is the difference in the mentality of law school the competitive nature of it versus the culture of ultra running and and that experience so 100%. Like, so did, was that, was that something that draw that maybe drew you to ultra culture too, a lot too, is because you went from this highly, just to be clear, law school is very competitive. Um, if someone's giving you notes, you have to check them to make sure they're right because they mm-hmm. might be just trying to screw you up so they can get a better grade than you or just lead you in a different direction. As, a, as opposed to that, the ultra um, running culture is very different. It's very much camaraderie. I, you know, you may win, I may win, but we're both winning if we both cross the finish line. It's like a, that's the difference. Like, do you think you were more attracted to that after coming from that kind of like dog eat dog, like environment? I do. I do. And it's so interesting because I was raised with fairly competitive parents, but also very compassionate parents. Um, I mean, my dad was a collegiate athlete. Um, He won an SEC championship as a baseball player. My mom is really, really driven. And so it was always be the best because you can, not because you have to be better than everybody else. Um, But for me, that was a total turnoff in law school is that we are literally all competing against each other. And newsflash, there's only one spot at the top and there are 300 of us. The way that ultra running embraces the camaraderie is so good for my soul and my spirit and this life that I live to kind of encourage others along the way. Um, And I mean, it, it is never more obvious than when you see somebody encouraging runners that they pass. You don't do that in law school. Oh, you got a better grade than me? Good. Good job. Keep going. You know, it's, oh. How do we not make that happen again? Yeah, it's amazing whenever we're passing each other, even like the ones who are in the front who are coming back, if it's like a lap course or whatever, they're coming back, like clapping at you 
be like, man, c- congratulations, great job, you're doing great. All like, it's it's incredible how much of that there is, and and like outside of that culture, where else does that happen? Where you're kind of getting a pat on the back and encouragement the entire time. Like every time you go into an aid station, you feel broken, but whenever you leave, somehow you feel ready to go and tackle the next like 15 miles. It, it's it's wild that encouragement and how, um, how much it can actually lift your spirit. And if we could possibly get more of that in everyday life, how much how much better or how much more productive and i don't mean like productive in a way of like hey let's like churn out more things productive in a way that like we have problem solving problem solving and actually all pointed in the same direction because just like just like Alyssa was saying is like we're all trying to finish this race like we're all trying to finish the ultra and the more of us that finish it seems like the better it is for all of us Well, exactly. And the idea that we all rise together kind of concept is something that is really cool to me because honestly, it doesn't matter if your time is less than mine. What matters is we did something really cool and something that so few people get the opportunity to do. Um, And, you know, part of that is the fact that people either are not interested in it, which is fine. You don't have to be interested in running. I'm not interested in a lot of things that I'm not going to (laughs) try, you know, but I think part of it is um, and and trail running has gotten better about this, but in accessibility, um, you know, financially, I think, but that's gotten substantially. It's less of a barrier now. I won't say it's gotten substantially easier, but I think largely people don't do hard things because they don't think they can, Mm -hmm. because nobody's told them, you got this, you're doing great. And that's literally what we spend four, six, eight, 16 hours out (laughs) there doing is telling each other, you got this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how good does it feel? I mean, it's, it's a competitive piece too, because like, if these people are finishing, I want to finish too. Um, that's like the competitive side, but then also like when you're feeling totally broken and somebody comes by you smiling and says, Hey, great job. Keep going, clapping, like just clapping their hands. You hear the cowbells in the, in the distance where like the finish line is, you see like the little bit of a glow and you're like, man, I'm almost there. And once I get there, and then you still have five miles left. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) But do you think too, that not just hearing that, but also giving that back Oh, yeah. invigorates you as well like mm-hmm. seeing someone else 100 percent. yes it and i try good. to it does it does and i try to make it my goal for every person that tells me good job the next five people that i see i'm gonna do the same thing because i know what that feels like to me and the hardest part for me was when people are in a world of hurt they don't always respond mm-hmm. uh and i am from baton Rouge, louisiana and when someone says hello to you you respond. And it was hard for me at first to overcome saying, Hey, you're doing great. Laser focus. They're still running. It's like, they're not paying attention, but I also realized there have been times when I've done that, not purposely, but I'm in so much, not pain, but mental, like I have to get through this or I have a blister on my foot and I just need to fix it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
But the little bit of, hey, you got this, keep going, you can do it, you're doing great, changes everything. Yeah, for sure. And I'd like to actually dig on on that a little bit because uh, you would, what you mentioned there is something that um, actually we talked about just this morning is taking things personally. And mm-hmm. this morning, our, our fireplace is broken. So uh, it's really cold up here in, in north of Pittsburgh. And Yikes. I mean, we're talking like feels like 14 today. And I was like, man, I'm just like so cold because I, I went out on a run this morning and it's just freezing. And I'm like, it's down to my bones. I feel so cold. And Alyssa goes, "Why, wow, man, I wish our fireplace worked. And I immediately was like, I took that on as my responsibility. And it within like three seconds, I shifted that shit. And I was like, no, nah, that's not about me. She wasn't attacking me. And I and I verbally said this to her. I was like, hey. I just, I just like kind of went through this in my head. This, I took this real personal, what you just said, but I know it wasn't about me and I know that I shouldn't take it personally. Um, is that something that you ever struggled with or, or I mean, Constantly. You obviously, yeah. So can yeah. you dig in on that for me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm an empath by nature, so I feel what other people bless up on that. <laughs> I feel what other people are feeling way more deeply than generally the things that I myself am feeling. And so what that does to me is it makes me internalize things that I probably shouldn't. Um, and it's, and I've gotten so much better, but it's a daily struggle for me to understand that generally people's reactions to things towards me, at me, to me, whatever, not about me, you know, and the, best thing that I learned is somebody once told me when somebody is, and this is a little bit separate, but when somebody has a cruel response to me, one of two things will happen. Either they are having a really hard time and thoughts to you, my friend, I hope you come out of that. Or I hope you have the day you deserve. Mm. Those are the options. <laughs> I like that. You know, like it's that. one of those two things. Well, I think that that's, that's so that ties into what we just kind of finished talking about too, is that um, not taking things personally allows us to encourage people regardless um, in whatever way we need. And if we just did more of that as communities in the world, whether we're running or just going to work or commuting or ordering a coffee or trying to check out we just did a little bit more of that how much more encouraging of a society might we have if we could just find a way to do that you know absolutely and i think there's a a also intrinsic and inherent value to practicing gratitude um and that to me is really obvious you know in in an ultra marathon you know like at an aid station um i make sure to thank the volunteers and i'm not saying this like i am the end-all be-all but I do it because it's a practice that makes me feel better about the world. Mm. I am extremely grateful that they are out there a lot of times in the cold, in the heat for hours and hours and hours, and they get nothing more than handing people a quesadilla or a Pop-Tart. I'm greatly appreciative of both. Thank you yes. very much. Yes. Um, but I think it's also practicing gratitude, and that kind of goes back to the crew thing as well. Um, it's, I have not ever been super grouchy during a race. Um, I don't know that I will never be, never say never could happen. Um, but I always try to remember 
They're here for you. Say thank you. This is a volunteer effort that these people have come out to sometimes if I run a looped race, they're watching me run in circles. Mm-hmm. God bless a friend of mine who came, crewed me for a 12 hour race that was a one mile loop in a city park. She oh, literally my. watched me run in circles. I actually only ran to like nine hours because I had done 50K and I was running an, a marathon, a trail marathon the next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, I'm out. Thank you. But for nine and a half hours, my friend just watched me run in circles. So it's the practice of gratitude. I think that goes along with the practice of encouragement. And I think both of those things help us feel better about all of the other things that are being thrown at us. So if I can find something to be grateful for in a moment where I'm trying to internalize something that somebody said or somebody did, and I'm going, you know what? It's not about me, but here's what I'm grateful for in this moment. That's a shift for me that makes that a lot easier. Yeah, I love that silver lining that you can find in in all things. And um, is there anything, do you have like a practice that you go through? I understand that you're like internally thinking these things, but is there like a morning routine or any routine that you kind of go through that like reinforces this? Do you got post-it notes everywhere? Um, like what, what is your reminder? You know, I used to, um, I used to have the post-it notes in the bathroom and it was great, but eventually it's one of those things. It's kind of the idea of when you move into a house, it's really cool and neat. And then as you live there for longer, you start to forget that things exist or that they Mm. were really cool to begin with. Like I have French doors in my house. The reason I bought the house 90% of the time, I don't even remember they're there and I've lived (laughs) there for six years. So I have made it kind of a goal that when I wake up, my first thought is caffeine. But my second thought is, (laughs) what is ahead today? Where can I practice gratitude? You know, and some days I wake up and I'm a little bit crunchy, a little bit crabby, and I don't go through that. Um, But I do, I'm lucky to be surrounded by people that remind me just by virtue of who they are to be grateful. but I also, I work out in the morning almost every day. Today's a little different, this is an afternoon day. Um, but I find myself being supremely grateful on the treadmill or on the bike or in the weight room that my body can do that. And it starts from there. It's like, oh, well, what are the, all these other things that I'm grateful for? Um, so that's kind of, you know, my daily inspiration to myself is one, what are you grateful for? And two, what can you do today? What is your body going to let you do? What is work going to let you do? Like, how am I reaching beyond just who I am? Yeah, it's embracing what you get to do and how exactly. so many other people um, may not even have a, the opportunity to do one of the things you get to do in a day. Exactly. And I think, you know, I'm supremely blessed that I have a job that I love in an industry that is very cool. Um, spoiler alert, it's a lot more emails and paperwork than you would think (laughs) artist management is, but that's what we do. Emails, phone calls, and paperwork. But I love what I do. That's what lawyers do. There's a whole thing. Like, (laughs) it's not all like TV drama series of like showing up and litigating. Actually, I avoid it. I hate, I don't litigate. I'm thank you. Well, and you know, the show Nashville, that's not how it is. (laughs) (laughs) But I think all of that being said, um, you know, I worked really hard to get to a place where I can do the things that I love to do. You know, I did a lot of the things that I didn't want to do. 
to get here. I did the jobs that I had to do until I got the job that I wanted to do. I ran the races that were accessible to me until I could run the races that I really wanted to run. And so it just kind of goes with, um, you know, being grateful for the experiences, being grateful for um, opportunities, even if I didn't love them. Um, you know, and I think that kind of just makes you more complete in the way that you look at things. If you're taking things in your life that were maybe not great experiences and going, okay, what did I learn? Right. I mean, because it's all ultimately leading to where you're at at the moment. And it sounds to me like you're able to chunk things into like these digestible pieces and then find the silver lining in, okay, this, this situation may not have been the best um, predicament, but here's what I can take from it. Here's what I can use to like, let me grow into this person who I want to be. Um, and, and I do got to dig in a little bit. First off, I'm, I'm super jealous. You went to LSU. Um, that was always, <laughs> I always wanted to be a tiger. Um, if, cause I, I actually wrote to the baseball coach cause I wanted to pitch for LSU tigers ever since I saw them, um, in Omaha at the world series, the, the collegiate world series. So super jealous about that. Um, and then your dad's an sec champ at, at baseball. So I'm like, damn, this family like had the things that I wanted, you know, I'm super grateful for what I got, but Hey, um, <laughs> but how did you do on the, trying to do all those races in one year? Like, did you accomplish that? Did you fall a little short? How did, uh, how did that pan out? I did. Um, the two things that I didn't do were the sprint and the Olympic triathlon. Um, I'd started training for them. They were after I got the job where I was on the road with an artist. Um, but I literally started with a 5K. And then I did a 10K. And I did a 15K. Um, and then I did a 25K. And then I thought, ooh, yeah, that when was did, hard. When did you get broken? <laughs> Which well, one broke you? I ran Music City Trail Ultra as the 25K. I would just tell you, Google MCTU Hill, mm -hmm. and then tell me if you ever want to be a trail runner again. Okay. <laughs> Great What's the race. elevation? Uh, basically straight up to, oh, yeah. it's the whole course elevation doesn't look like that much until you just look at that hill and the picture, all of these it little things, boring. and they're people. <laughs> they're people like climbing with all fours. Yeah. So that was the one that I kind of went, whoo, this is tough, mm -hmm. but I'd already signed up for a 50K. And once I sign up for it, I'm doing it. I have never not started a race that I signed up for it with the exception of one Susan G. Komen walk that my friend did not want to get up and go to. <laughs> so I didn't <laughs> do that one, but that was like 15 years ago. Understood. Um, but yeah, I actually did the 50K and I started the job on the road three days later. Um, you know, it was a great, great race to start with. Um, it was the run for kids in Birmingham. Um, my mom was my crew. It was amazing. It was a looped course. So every 10K, I got to see my mom, uh, who largely to that point did not understand why anyone would do why? that. Yes, why? Sometimes I still have the same question. Why? Why do we do this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, that kind of was the, I did a duathlon, which was awesome. Um, but I will tell you, if you do not do multiple disciplines regularly, you will still feel like you're pedaling in the second run. Halfway oh. through the second run, my legs still felt like they were going in circles. Interesting. Yeah. yeah I've never, I've never done a whole lot of cycling. Um, I, it's something that I've like toyed around with, but I feel like, 
I don't know. I just I just haven't even given it a shot. I have a bike uh, that my buddy kind of left for me. I think like he he like doesn't do stuff anymore, but he let me ride his bike and then a donation. Uh, yeah, I was like, do you want this back? And he's like, nah, just keep it. And I'm like, dude, this thing's like a really nice bike. Sweet. Um, yeah. So he gave me the the clip ins and everything. So I I may do it. I don't know. Um, but whenever you made that transition from road running to trail running. That's the part to me where running kind of got fun. R running really like became enjoyable whenever I went into that that um that arena. Was that the same Wait, for you? Running wasn't always enjoyable. Well, no, it was always enjoyable. However, road running kind of like just beats your body. Well, to, to th there's no a end. reason why I'm saying this is because the average population is not going on a run and being like, "This is amazing." It's not a relatable feeling like. We, we understand runner's high exists because you tell us it does, but we probably don't believe you. Um, you know, so, and I'll just be clear and transparent. I am just now starting a meaningful running journey. Like I'm literally finishing week two. I love of it. My beginning running journey. Um, and it's going to be slow and methodical. Uh, I'm, I'm older, so I have to be careful and it, it's, we're going to get through it. But so to that end, I have still not experienced this phenomenon you speak of, of runners high. Um, but yeah, I think it's so important for you guys to talk about how bad it kind of sucks a little bit. It does. Especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It I does. was like, I was couched to 5k. That's the app that I started with. I couldn't even run 30 seconds without my lungs feeling like they were going to explode out of my body. I mean, Adrian, are you the same? Like I'm same. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, part of it was that I did it as a stress relief. And so I started thinking about it. Well, the pain of running is better than the stress of worrying about what's happening mm, next in school. So it became the lesser of two evils. I mean, I hate to say that, uh, but it did. Um, and then I ran my first trail and it was a wildly different experience. Um, there were hills. Uh, that were not road hills. Um, there were opportunities to climb and then stand at the top of something and turn around and look back and go, oh, shit, I just did that. Yeah, and I think that's where it comes from. Yes. That, you're, that trail runners are like gazelling through forests and not mountains. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's just so important. There's a lot of like, hiking. There's a lot of like hiking, slowing down because you will you will fall off the side of a cliff potentially if you're trying to gazelle it. You can try, you know, hopefully they can help you if something happens, but No, you're totally I, right. I think that there's this yep. misconception out there that when you guys are out there doing these ultra trail runs that you're like gazelling through the forest and over trees and stuff and it's just it's there's so much more method it's so much more methodical than that there's so much more strategy to think about well and it's funny because explaining this to people my family friends whatever and I'm like I don't understand how you can go run in the mountains or run in the woods and well I don't I run <laughs> I walk I hike I yep. stop for snacks that's important I'm always there for the <laughs> snacks same People don't realize how good the food is out there. I oh, hundred percent. You could open up a restaurant on mid, like mid course somewhere. You could make some bank. I'm telling you. Oh, aid station deli. <laughs> <laughs> you heard you it imagine like that's actually probably at a trailhead somewhere that uh, they have that somewhere. It's got to be. 
Well, that, and the seating is like canvas camping chairs. Yeah, yeah you, that's the only way that you, you actually have to bring your own chair. Yes. They have salty potatoes. <laughs> salty potatoes um, and pickles salty are potatoes. always on the menu. It's actually something, it's something that uh, David Goggins, I don't know if you follow him at all um, or know who I do, and is. I have an interesting story about that. <laughs> oh, nice. In his recent book, he alludes to his times on some of the courses. And actually, he tells a story that's very similar to a story that I can tell now also is this, this recent run that I went on. Uh, with the Pine Creek Challenge 100 miler, he tells a story of a time where he's like, I don't know, he's 100 and something miles in and he's completely chafed to no end and he's been walking for a while. And whenever he said that, I was like, oh shit, Goggins walks too. Uh, <laughs> and then he says he goes into the bathroom. He doesn't have to go to the bathroom. He just wants to stop. He wants mm -hmm. to take a break. He doesn't want to go anymore. And I'm like, damn, this same, like, the same mindset or the same thoughts penetrate all of us. Like yep. there's always a time where you don't want to keep going. There's always a time where it's like, I've had enough. I want to be done. And then all of a sudden this like this switch happens and you're like, no, nah, dude, we're, we're going to keep going. We're actually going to finish this thing. And if you pass out on the way, great. Um, but that just like you said, it was a lesser of two evils. I think putting ourselves in these really obnoxious situations allows for us to do things in normal everyday life that would absolutely crush other people. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, and I think what makes me better in my day-to-day -day life is the same thing that makes me strong in a race. Um, I am exceptionally ordinary, literally. I mean, I'm five, three and a half average build, average weight. I'm not super fast. I have sort of short legs. My superpower is I don't know how to quit. I literally don't know how to quit. Um, and so, you know, I have never once thought about dropping in a race. I have thought about being angry at myself for signing up. Um, I have thought about how much more of this do I have to do until I can reward myself with Mexican food or a new thing that I want or whatever. I'm super motivated on a course to do things for rewards. Sometimes that is snacks at the next aid station. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I think doing hard things like this makes really hard things in regular life much easier to manage. Um, I won't say much easier to deal with because life is hard. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, my mom is a two-time cancer survivor. Back-to-back -back years, she kicked its ass twice. That was hard. But having this skill set in my back pocket of knowing I can do really hard things, I'm like, let's go. And I think what it also does, particularly the longer distances, the 50Ks, the 50 milers, and so forth, is it makes you have to be a problem solver because nobody's going to solve that out there for you. Nobody. It's you and your journey on whatever trail you're on and you're figuring it out. Unless you, you know, happen upon an aid station where people are really nice and know a lot of things, <laughs> but sometimes I just need them to know that I need a sandwich, you know, but the hard things outside of, we'll call it regular life, make the hard things in regular life more manageable. Oh, yeah.
I mean, I can't agree more. And that's whenever you're talking about problem solving out there and it's almost like what sometimes it gets down to the fact of like, what can I digest right now? What am I not able to eat right now? How often am I supposed to be drinking? And it's really chopping things, things up into these small itsy bitsy, like step-by-step goals. And you're literally doing this on the fly sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you like I can't stress enough how often I use the same type of skills that I use in my day-to-day life that I do on the trail. And I'm not saying that you can't do this like elsewhere too. Like I don't, I don't know because I'm not in that life, but like whenever you stress yourself to F out to a point where you're like, okay, my heart rates up. Um, my, my mind is absolutely bananas, but I still need to figure this thing out. That to me is like, that's a job. That's that's work. That's life. That's raising a kid. That's having a spouse. That's having a friend. That's having a mom and going through cancer. Like mm-hmm. all of these things are much more like you said manageable because we practice in like this safe type of environment where it's outside of real life. It's almost like it's almost fake because we're just simulating the things that we want to do for our for our people. Does that make sense? Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like the equivalent of, you know, to go back to the Goggins idea, Navy SEAL training, they train to do all of that stuff so that they know what to do in the actual situation. Uh, you know, we train to run big races or sometimes we don't train and we run them and we hurt a lot afterwards. <laughs> I hear that. Don't ask me how I know that one. Um, but yeah, I think it, it comes full circle and, I think I didn't even realize I was doing that for a long time. And that's where it was coming from. Um, I've always been kind of an innate problem solver. um, But the fact that I can solve problems on the fly and so quickly now because of this, you know, okay, well, I am a third of a way to the finish line. I have a a cut on my foot. I have a blister on the other foot. You know, I've got to beat a a cut off. How am I going to manage this next third of the race? And I don't think I realized for a long time that that is what was happening until I started getting quicker at it on the course. And then I went, wait a minute, this is how I do life. But it was just reverse engineering what I actually do, you know, out there to real life. Yeah, I think it's really cool to kind of recognize that (laughs) putting yourself out there to these types of like physical challenges and endurance challenges, no matter what they are, can really be the catalyst for reverse engineering the way that you can approach different things in your life. So I love that that's part of your story. And I think that's a really great message that can resonate with others who may not necessarily be be there yet with their like physical activity journey or whatever it is, is that putting yourself out there to even try something like that, um, maybe not as extreme as a 50k but like whatever just putting yourself out there to to at, to a new challenge may be really insightful to how you can approach something different in your life or a challenge you may be facing in a different aspect of your life so i i love that i want to hear your goggins story though <laughs> uh so i ran a race with david goggins once Ooh. and when i say with um i mean that you race that i was talking about course. Yes. Um, we started about five people apart. Smaller race. It's that uh, Music City Trail Ultra Race. He ran it in Brooks Road Shoes, which is oh. highly impressive. 
I need all of the grip I can get on the bottom of my shoes just to keep me from falling off the hills. Mm-hmm. Um, and he ran the 50K and I ran the 25K and he finished before I did. Wow. So, yeah. And when I tell you he ran past me on the turnaround where the, the 25K turns around and the 50K has already done the rest of that 25K, I have never seen a human being actually fly until that moment. Wow. And he blew past us. And I didn't know very much about him at that moment. And the girl that I was running with went, oh, that was Goggins. And he's in road shoes. I was like, well, that's pretty impressive, you know, to run that fast on that kind of course in road shoes. Um, so from there, I just kind of dove in and, and figured out, you know, what he was all about and started reading some of his stuff. And I, I really like his mindset on a lot of things. Yeah, I vibe with a ton of what he has to say. Some of it's a little bit raw for me, but, you know, you can take mm-hmm. it and, and you can leave what you need to. Um, but... That's what I have to do with Coggins, to be clear. <laughs> I have to I have to take I have to take what is like, OK, like, OK. And the rest, I'm like, OK, <laughs> thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah. Well, how much have you leaned into the empath side? I, I'd like to dig in on that a little bit because we get a little bit witchy around here. And um, I'm, I'm curious, like, do you do you dig in on the empath uh, side of things? Or are you just like, I'm an empath and I feel things and that's where I'm going to leave it? I've kind of just let it be where it lies um, because I don't want to feel more things than mm-hmm. I do. I already okay. have a lot of things happening. Um, but it, it helps with, you know, with my job and with the volunteer things that I do, because I work largely with people who feel a lot of things. Recording artists feel a lot of things. Songwriters feel a lot of things. That's how they do what they do. And it makes me somewhat not, I won't say uniquely suited because there are a lot of artist managers and a lot of people in the music industry that are not empaths at all. Uh, but it does keep me more in tune to what my artists are doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and how they're feeling and maybe they need a day where they're not doing interviews or they're not having to go to the studio maybe you just need a break for a minute and because I feel all of those things I can assess that at a different level Uh, and then you know volunteering with kids is kind of the same kids don't always say how they're feeling Mm -hmm. you just have to get a sense of maybe something's going on at home Uh, maybe they had a bad day at school Um, I spent a lot of years coaching Girls on the Run, which is an incredible program. Um, I wish I still had the time to do it, but it's a couple days a week and it's right after school. And I just, I adore this program. But being able to understand kind of what these kids were going through just based on the vibrational energy or whatever you want to call it was such a gift. Um, All that to say, no, I have not taken the dive into that because there is a part of me that is afraid I will feel so many more things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, I'm sure. I'm sure. And it it can be overwhelming. I I could almost be certain of it. um, Just living with one myself. I know that some, you know, social situations can just be, can be that they're just too overwhelming. Um, What is girls on the run? Can you not to like, you don't know what girls on the run is? No, what? what? Oh my, we have it here. Should I? It is. Well, (laughs) it's an amazing program. It is a great Um, program. It's for, I think now they also have a middle school program, but elementary aged girls from second to sixth grade, I think, depending on what school system you're in and whether sixth grade is elementary school or middle school. Um, And they start a run training program 
and then at the end of the season, season, I guess a semester, they run a 5K. And they run that 5K with a volunteer runner. Sometimes it's a parent, sometimes it's a sibling, sometimes it's somebody from the community. Um, and to watch these kids blossom into more confident, uh, more powerful, more sure versions of themselves was all of the reward I ever needed for doing that job. Um, sometimes it's wild trying to teach 22 little girls how to do training drills. Uh, mm -hmm. So you got to make it fun. It's like, I need you to run from the cupcake to the star, you know, or whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we tried to make running fun and sort of build a lifelong hobby or passion and maybe not necessarily just for running, but for physical fitness and for, you know, embracing that side of, of staying in shape. Yeah, it's a beautiful program. Um, our neighbor's actually um, a coach for it, and she's been a big part of that program. And she also helps coach track and cross country at the higher levels. So, how did I not she, know this? Yeah, our yeah, I'll I'll fill you in on which neighbor it is if you haven't figured it out by now. Um, but it, I've I've seen a lot of of girls uh, specific just really benefit from that as they grow into middle school, if but not for nothing else than the camaraderie um, mm -hmm. and, and the mentorship that they can get from other adults, even if they don't continue running, they still make those connections with adults in the community that allows them to kind of feel like they have that mentorship. So it is a beautiful program. Oh, for sure. And I think it's important for young people, whether girls, boys, whatever, to have people that they can look up to that are doing big things. And, Absolutely. and are people that they can confide in and are people that they can go, well, if that person did that, I can do that, you know, or this is my safe place. I think there's a complexity in that. It's both I'm seeing this person that either has this job that I'm really excited about or has done this race that I'm really excited about or whatever. Um, but it's also this is somebody that I can talk to about things that I'm going through. So well, I am all skills. for programs like that. Those are skills. Those are programs that teach skills to young people that we need as adults. Because how many adults mm -hmm. do we know that don't have the ability to look up to someone because they're too busy being jealous or Ooh. being angry, Ooh. you know, or or not being able to find a safe place for them to have an outlet to get rid of some of that extra energy and emotional stuff that they don't need to carry with them. So I think it's a beautiful thing when we can create programs for kids to teach them those as as their life skills. They really are truly life skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I actually, I love being able to listen to a podcast and like immediately put it into something. So this morning I listened to Hidden Brain and it was all about uh, who's in your inner circle. And they gave the the analogy, it's not an analogy. What do you call these things? The birds of a feather flock together. I don't know what you call that. Um, but what it was is like, Whenever you see birds all flocking together, they're usually very similar birds, like crows flock with crows and pigeons with pigeons. And as humans, we sort of do the same thing. And they were talking about it more as like a class system. So like whenever you're in this class, you kind of stay there. And then the only way to get out of that is to introduce things, people, activities into your life that you can then latch on to. So you have this intermediary. Sometimes I think about it as like music and just hobbies in general. So running could be one of them, uh, whatever, something that's like impartial that is um, that you can actually get into without much friction. So that's why I think sports are one of those things. Um, mm -hmm. But 
having programs like you're talking about that allow you know people like yourself to be involved in those girls can then see themselves as as you or as this other person and kind of strive to be that way and now they have a connection into that other world uh, that they otherwise wouldn't have and that's sort of what that whole podcast was about was like how how do some of us break out of the current situation that you're in um and and really the only way is to put yourself into new situations new environments new people um and sometimes we really get stuck in our own ways and that's why i was like super happy to have you on in particular because you've obviously went into this direction of huge growth mindset and that's what we focus in on here is is that growth mindset like what are some other things that you're into that is like um that's putting yourself into new situations outside of running or outside of your your current day-to-day like what are some other things that you're continuing to strive to be uh, a better version of you people do other things no i'm kidding (laughs) um i think for me it's stepping into things that scare me sometimes um and so it's volunteering with new organizations or you know applying for a seat on a board of an organization that i'm passionate about um it is it's learning every day. I'm a lifelong learner. I would be a student forever if I could. Uh, but my parents were like, mm, nine years of college, probably enough. Uh, you got the pieces of paper. Let's maybe not do that anymore. Uh-huh. Professional um, student. I went yes, there well too. Yes. And I'm so appreciative for my time there, but I, I don't know that I could get away with more. Um, I think it's just stepping outside of my comfort zone and doing different things. Um, like I'm signed up for a self-defense class next month, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm a self-defense yeah. junkie. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's something I should do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm doing it with a friend, but I don't know anybody else in the class. So we're just going to go, you know, figure it out and learn how to smack some people if we need to. Um, But I think it's constantly putting yourself in situations that cause growth um, and also create that bridge into other worlds. Like I went to, I don't know if, um, if you saw, I have a trail running Instagram because my friends were like, can you maybe not post all of that on your regular Instagram? Yeah. Um, But I, I didn't get into it, but I left a comment for someone uh, who was chastising a firefighter uh, for wearing her gear in the gym. And my response was, you know, she's working out, let her do her thing. Uh, and before you say anything, yes, I have worked out in full fire gear. Yes, I'm an ultra runner. Yes, I have a heart condition. And no, I don't care what other people do at the gym. And mm-hmm. all that to say, I went to fire school for eight weeks. I trained with them for eight weeks. Yeah. And it was really cool. Yeah, Citizens Fire Academy, very cool. If you have one, highly recommend it. You get to go through essentially dip your toe into what they do every day. Um, And so I posted about that. That was a thing that I did that scared the crap out of me, but I did it. And when I came out of it and we had graduation was like, it's like standing at the top of that peak and looking backwards Mm. and going, I did that. And that was a foot for me into a whole different world because it was people that I did not know. It was a world that I was familiar with. And so I think for people to cross all of those lines, those societal lines that we've drawn, I think a good start is both putting ourselves in situations that scare us, do it afraid, do something that frightens you all the time. Just keep doing it. 
but I think it's also reaching out to people who maybe don't have those opportunities and bringing them into our fold to do things that we do and kind of turning it around on its head. That piece to me is really cool, is bringing somebody along for the ride with you and, and allowing them to enjoy the journey alongside you uh, instead of watching you from afar. That's um, not everybody wants to take my hand for some reason whenever I ask them to come onto the trails and, and to Same. come to, and to go to jujitsu and to go to Krav and to do all these things that I like to do. Um, but you know what? Um, maybe the, there's a lesson for me as well is to do things that uh, that they want to do and and do those those types of activities. So I'm going to take that away today. Yeah, sometimes I get dragged to things with friends who I have forced to come out on the trail with me. And then the turnaround is, oh, I would really like to go try this insert activity here. And I go, oh, uh -huh. okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to take that away today. And um, I can't think of a better way to end it is is with that little sentiment that you just gave. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to get across to any of the listeners? I mean, I think the thing that I always go back to about running is when people ask me why I do it. Uh, I don't do it for myself to be able to post pictures and have, you know, the medals are cool. They're on the wall in my closet. I have a whole wall of things that I've gotten from running. I do it for two reasons. I, yep, there they are. <laughs> I do it, one, to prove to myself who I am. I don't need everyone else to know who I am. I do it to prove to myself who I am. And secondly, I do it to prove to other people that they too can do hard things. Because I think there are not enough people that have something to look at and go, you know what, if that person can do this, I can apply for this job, I can go to this school, I can do this training program, I can start XYZ, I can take up a hobby. You know, whatever the really hard things are in life, I do this to give other people permission to try hard things too. I love it. Love that piece. Give them permission to do the things. That, oh, my God. Let's go. Let's go. I'm fired <laughs> up now. Alyssa, is there anything else that you wanted to get across? No, I I am just so inspired by um, to make sure that I'm giving people high fives and kudos for existing in life as the thing to pass on. That's what I took away from this. And I thank you for for that message today. Oh, absolutely. And bravo to you for your training, because I think it's as important to celebrate the 5Ks as it is to celebrate the 50 milers. I I'm mean, celebrating the one miles, okay? One there you go. <laughs> if you want to be inspired by the human spirit, go stand at the finish line of any race in the country, any distance. Mm -hmm. That is the ultimate inspiration is watching people cross that line, whether they're first or last. It's the same emotional experience every time. So beautiful. All right. I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and outro it out. As always, enjoy the journey, everybody. Take care. Thank you for staying here until the very end. If you would do us a favor and leave a comment or a review wherever you downloaded or stream this podcast from, that goes a long way to help us spread the word about growth mindset. If you're a Web3 native or looking to get started, you can catch us over at Twitter on Tuesday nights, where we host the Twitter spaces at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard. There are unique surprises for those of you who attend those shows in addition to our podcast here. It's a Rug Radio production. Until next time, enjoy the journey.